Oh, hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. And today I'm going to share with you uh, three news. The first one is, I think this one is very interesting. Um, this one is on SF San Francisco uh, Eater.com. And the title of the uh, article is called The Silicon Valley Restaurant Betting Big on Virtual Reality Dining. So basically in this um, uh, article, it talks about, oh yeah, it, it, it was written by Kathy Park. It was talking about there's a Chinese American fusion restaurant called iChina. They integrate with virtual reality or you can say projection mapping into um, like their dining room. Um, I personally think it's very interesting because they are kind of on purposely like a mapping and uh, the price is not cheap and it's in, in San Jose. Uh, the price is around $4,500 for 10 people. So each person, like the minimum, um, you know, payment. Uh, so it's probably around four, four, 450 per, per person just to be there and uh, enjoy the uh, feeling. And then, um, you know, this is like, a, you know, everyone was so, especially, you know, in the, technology, the capital of the technology, like Silicon Valley, uh, this restaurant becomes pretty hot because all the techie people, they like to hang, hang out there during pandemic or, or, you know, like right now we are post pandemic. So they kind of, you know, even some people, they are living outside of California uh, when they want to have like a team meeting gathering, um, they will fly to, you know, to San Jose and just to join these types of experience. And I think this is very cool because actually they put a lot of Chinese elements such as, you know, like a traditional um, cherry blossom or some, you know, some stuff. And they even customize the, the plate and ship from China. So make sure uh, their projection mapping or you say virtual reality, or yeah, so some some of the um, themes, um, the the you know software kind of matches the theme. So and they are uh, keeping creating, innovating a lot of different um, uh, theme rooms. So yeah, so um, I, I I think um, this is a very interesting concept because yeah, I mean um, in. Like this is fusion food, right? Uh, Chinese American restaurant. So they serve a lot of Chinese food. Um, I think this is very innovative because not only they can eat physical food, but also they can see the innovation on top of the food. And also, you know, so it's like a very immersive, interesting experience. So yeah, anyone want to share their thoughts or, you know, just jumping and um, yeah, anyone? You know, I've seen uh, some projection mapping that is fixed to the environment. And so you, the programmer goes in and knows where the walls are, where the, here, where the tables are. So it's fixed. And I've seen other projection mapping that is adaptive. So when things move, the, the projection mapping can change with it. I've seen less of that. That sounds harder to do. Mm. This would be kind of cool is um, if you had 
even in the mall, sometimes you'll see like the kids are playing around with some something projected onto the floor. They're like they're playing an interactive game. Be kind of interesting to see this where maybe a different um, your plate moves around and like I don't know little animals that are like walking around your plate move with it. <laughs> Pass the virtual oysters, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so true though. From, from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Actually, um, I just. I just put a link in the chat um, for uh, something called Le Petit Chef, which is a really cute little animation. This is Lumen. Uh, well, the sorry about the ad. Your <laughs> but uh, it's a it's been up for a little while, but uh, it's a really cute little uh, projection that had to do with uh, uh, dining, and it was you know very small, intimate. And it was just these four people, but. It's just a really cute idea because they like oh, cool. bring out all of their food this way. So it's like projecting mapping like the meal. But uh sorry to hijack your thing, but this is yeah, absolutely that, that, adorable. That's, that's, that's what do I do when, when we get seated. <laughs> I look to see what people are eating because then oh that looks good. What's that? And then I sometimes I'll even ask them, what did you order? <laughs> Can you eat that one <laughs> that they don't so you know, a really, so at AWE, they had at the conference last year, they were showing uh, an interesting way to, to show your menu. And so someone had like 3D scanned uh, the, the different menu items. And so in AR with your phone, you could like look through the menu and it was to scale on your plate in front of you. This is even better. This is this is so cool because now you don't have the, the friction of using your phone to forget it. You just sit down and the menu just like presents itself for course number one. Here's where, you know, our specials today, you know, it'd be really, really cool. Yeah. I, I was able to do a um, for Great Wolf Lodge, um, which is like an interactive hotel that there's a chain of them on the East Coast or the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had a uh, um, kind of a projection map floor and a bunch of automated doors that would go through um, all sequenced up so that they would automate and cycle people through kind of like a theme park ride. But we had video projection of fish that was, I think it was a hijacked uh, Kinect controller, the old uh, Microsoft yeah. controller, right? And so we just had a bunch of fish on the floor and the people would, and these kids would come out and they were wolves getting fish out of the river. And each fish that they would grab, they would get points. And there was just a little screen up on the thing that told each kid which ones they grabbed. But yeah, video projection, you, you get a plan for it and you know why you're going to do it. There's lots of good ways to use it. Now, what I have not seen is feeding in real-time data to a projection mapping experience, right? So like, I don't know. I mean, this is boring. So in my world, I care about like manufacturing metrics. I work for um, in like a production area, aerospace. That's a really boring example, but like in your, for, for lack of a better example, in your dining area, let's say you were having a meeting, you were a bunch of nerds like me were in a meeting and we wanted to know how, how the Redondo Beach you know, factory was doing. And so you could like bring in the metrics on the wall or on the table. That's like I said, a very boring example, but the idea is 
instead of having it all pre-programmed, can you tap into live data and like and make that uh, part of the experience as well? Maybe some. Well, I, all projection mapping to some sort of HDMI in that that either the file is local and it's projecting a video, or it's pulling in a source of video from from someplace else. But you know, it, it those of us that I'm a lighting designer. Um, so I come from a background of thinking of lights, but also that every light, even as broad as a 40 degree light or an 80 degree light, if you narrow it down, it becomes a pixel. So when you really think about all lights, they're very, very fat crayons. Or you can get very, very precise pixels if you use projection. So getting into nano projectors or rear projection for award shows or millimeter LED walls. There's a lot of different ways, but video projection is coming down so low that it can kind of start to enhance and, and act as light, but it's intelligent light. So what are you going to put into it? Well, it's, it's a projector, it's a screen, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the beautiful thing about these things is that now you know, it needs designers to understand what is the scope of the evening? What is the arc? You know, what is the climax and how are we ending the evening it's kind of theatrical in that we got to take people through steps so that's why i'm excited by a lot of this what we call metaverse it really is like lighting design being understood broadly yeah what i love about the restaurant idea is like there's no there's no glasses there's no phone there's no devices it's it's i mean it, it does feel like vr uh, how you know it, and it, it allow you to to trick the mind to take you to a new place. It's really this. And there's so many different screens and materials that are doing this. For a long time, we were talking about electroluminescent paint, that eventually we would pixelize paint and have controls of the RGB of the reflection mm -hmm. of our walls. You know, that really hasn't come around, but there are like adhesives that are going on to, you know, windows and things of that nature where it acts that way. And now we get a screen material that's on the window. Um, but there's also a lot of like LED walls that are 50-50 open and LED pixels. So you see through it and you see the LED. So you can start to kind of mix reality of what you're seeing and what you're seeing through, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear all you guys talk about this because it's like, oh, my corner of the world, yay. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot lighting. Uh, as far as I know, I I, I don't really know light, lighting because I'm more like a 2D designer. But when I watch um, a YouTuber talk about lighting, it seems like, you know, like um, just through lighting, you can make a person looks horrible, criminal, or somebody who is very happy, like an angel. Yeah, so it's just like a different ways of lighting you, you kind of place and it can change the mood and, and everything. it's the same with cameras of course if you yeah. put a camera low and it's shooting up yeah and all disperses and, you, and intimidating but yeah. if you take your camera and you lift it up and you look up then you lose your chin and you look more skinny on your instagram yeah, yeah. you know these are the tricks that have been around person. for a long time yeah hey so, ryan yeah. dan you're gonna have to help me with that <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like the immersion experience, but since I've been going to conferences and, and working with the Epic and Unity people on some of this stuff, I feel like it's still a silent movie. I like Oscar's premise that you need to have collaboration. 
there's no way that I'm going to spend $4,500 to go have lunch with Mark Andreessen and all that. You know, I mean, we used to do that, you know, because I grew up here in Silicon Valley. You know, I've been here since the 70s. I, I worked for Intel when it was a startup. So uh, I've been through all these smooth fests. OK, and what you're there for is not necessarily the meal. You're there for the interactions, the networking, for, uh, you know, getting people to buy into your your uh, disruptive technology ideas. That's worth the price of admission. The fact that you can do it in a virtual room is really cool, but what's what do you get out of it? You know, yeah. so and, well, and I mean, food it, food is everywhere. You know, so I think they're trying to to do something creative in this pandemic, but without that human connection, I don't know that it would that I do it more than once. Right. Well, yeah, and, and actually, what you just mentioned, more than once, is the key, and that's the problem with with video projection and 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 projection mapping. There's not enough call for it for anyone to actually specialize in it. And once you do it, you're done. <laughs> and then you got to go do it somewhere else and do it differently. So mm-hmm. the thing about it is like, I've, I've trained on the system that is used to pixel map uh, uh, the uh, castle at Disneyland. It's called uh, uh, the Green Hippo. And it requires the 3D model of the, the castle. And it also understands video and where your projection is and where the, the projectors are. But you end up in a single guy trying to figure out all of these problems himself because basically you kind of have to. It's one software that's doing it all. So if you don't actually have the project, then you're just teaching yourself how to do it without ever having a place to do it. So there's a lot of people who were really jazzed by this, but when they do it, it's a single demonstration that took them a really long time. And, you know, hopefully if it's the, you know, 4th of July at, you know, uh, Philadelphia, then that building you could reuse again because those pillars aren't changing. But other than that, if you don't have something that's annual, it's really hard to actually develop something like this because it is, a one-off. You know, I, I was speaking to a friend. Uh, she's um, like a psychologist, a therapist, and she helps people who are suffering from um, like PTSD from like war, different war scenarios. And uh, they uh, have trouble in um, different scenarios. But the specific example was they had trouble around certain ethnic groups in their um, maybe the markets or restaurants. So maybe they were part of a conflict in Asia or they were a part of a conflict in the Middle East. And when they're surrounded by, by that ethnic group, you know, a lot of apprehension and anxiety and, you know, they just really struggle with it. And so we were just kicking around ideas and I was like, wait a minute, if I, if I made a VR experience, that allowed you as the therapist to like throttle the, the density of people around you um, mm. and slowly like expose that person over time to that, would that be valuable? So it's like, oh my gosh, Oscar, this would be totally a game changer. Cause like right now she has to go with the patient and they'll go to like a market um, in San Gabriel or whatever and slowly kind of 
just examples like that. And so like, if you had access to this room, like you totally put it to work. It would, you know, it would, you just, you just crank up the, the density of people. That's like one unique, like one example of how you could get more life out of a, an immersive room like this. Uh, hmm. Of course, I mean, I think it would work in VR, but the fact that you have to put something on your head kind of to some extent breaks immersion a little bit, right? You have to get used to that whole thing. And this feels so much more natural. Uh, the other way to get more longevity out of it is, like I said, if there was an element of data that came from something else that people cared about, then it would always be different. Every time you sat down, it would be different because, in theory, the data would change, right? Like, I don't you're looking at, like, price of crypto. Yeah, it's like you're adding news feeds or, or I like conversation interactive. My, my company is Sapient, and we're, we're trying to work on smart avatars with a brain where you, they recognize your languages and they speak multiple languages, you know, so you can have all kinds of interactive conversations. Um, and that's what we're pitching to these companies is, yeah, my, my, my mantra is the metaverse should not be a silent movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also companies like Deloitte and Pricewaterhouse, which, you know, are kings and queens of data, they're trying to do the feeds. So they bought companies and they're hiring all kinds of, of uh, linguists and all of this mm. to add voice to their uh, interactive, um, what their version of metaverse, which is big on enterprise. So, you know, I keep an eye on that, but by the same token, I look at the gaming and what Ron is doing or Dan is doing because I see the technology there, you know, with NVIDIA, Intel and all these, providing the chipsets and the software to the gamers and the entertainment. I want to bring all that stuff together, you know, and do right. what Oscar is saying. Where and, and, have, and what you yeah. talked about, Oscar, what, what I've been trying to do is bring in architectural controllers and inputs so that you can trigger things, you step on things, you break a laser, something happens where you start to interact with everything. And this comes from, I come from a, a theme park programming background. Mm -hmm. So this, this comes straight out of the rides and networking large systems and taking multiple triggers to create new things. But like one of the pitches that I made for a, a restaurant like this was in when you start to think about 3D tracking and wearables. So like if Lady Gaga was to walk into this room and she was wearing a red dress, she would want to pop out and turn these walls white and, and like literally stand out. But you can start to kind of give control over to people if they bid for something or, you know, if there was some pre-programmed thing at some hour or something. But if, if somebody was to walk in through the front door, you could direct the light to spotlight them and the room changed to highlight her dress, you know, that could take place because of the fact that the dress was related to this room in some technological way. Yeah. So that's really exciting because I mean, I've seen, it feels, I don't know if the um, pandemic has, uh, has made it more apparent, but like, it seems like tech is bringing us, is forcing me to stay home more than, I, than we used to. Right. So like I get all my movies here, I can get all my games here. I, I, I used to back in the day, I have to go out to the theater. I have to go to an arcade, you know, I have to right. go to the restaurant. Right. But now DoorDash, everything is like I'm, I'm more and more isolated. I didn't notice it until like I was forced to isolate in the pandemic. It's not like I'm totally alone. But what you're describing 
it, it will draw me out. Like I'll actually leave the house to go get, do that. Cause I can't get that and, at home. And this is the, this is a guy who's designed 120 plays. <laughs> so yeah, I'm kind of interested in an evening where people do want to leave the house, see something interesting, unique, maybe only 40 people, 50 people at a time. You know, we, we called that theater. It was really fun. And then we closed it down. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, 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 I call it a reboot. It's like we're rethinking, you know, and I would love, uh, uh, you know, Dan, I think you and I talked offline is that, you know, the Fillmore here in, in, in uh, San Francisco would sell out in a matter of minutes. So you couldn't get tickets to go see the, the Grateful Dead and, and all of that. But if I had a metaverse, I could recreate it and then, you know, market that and then where you actually sit in a physical location like you're right there in front of the stage while they're singing and dancing and actually have the the uh <clears throat> the performers on zoom or on chat interacting with you so it it's a semi real experience you know it's not just hey i went to the fillmore in 1968 and it was really cool i'm trying to explain this to my grandkids you know and, yeah. and so now i could have you know my granddaughter who just turned 20 and say let me take you to a grateful dead conference concert you know <laughs> that's cool that's a really cool idea wow yeah well i mean it, you know pr projections are you know when you're looking at this table that in this image right here i mean projection lenses can get very wide so you could have a single projector on the table and you got four walls, you got four projectors on four walls. You're not talking about a tremendous amount of money, technology, you know, you know, this, this has all been around for a very, very long time. It's a matter of committing a space to it and investing in it beyond the minimal, you know, lighting that goes into a restaurant. It is an extra expense, but still these projectors can be quite cheap. You know, and when you dim the rest of the lights down, these things become pretty, you know, visible when they're the only light source in the room, you know, but no, you can fling some projectors around and do a lot of stuff and call it metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so actually this morning, uh, talk about metaverse and Web3. I did some research because I find out I, I, I was confused about those two terms. So yeah, metaverse, what's metaverse? So yeah, this is like Wikipedia. Like right now, I feel like the authoritative <laughs> resources from Wikipedia. Yeah, so okay. So according to Wikipedia, it seems like a metaverse is a network of 3D virtual world focused on social connection. Yeah, and metaverse this world was from the snow crash, right? Like the, the, the meta verse a lot of uh, world so it's more focusing on the social uh, world or second life and uh, it's from a science fiction yeah so yeah so so sim like this becomes a buzzword and web three yeah another yeah, but the metaverse you didn't make the point that even mm -hmm. in their definition i think it started sooner than that you know mm -hmm. but it's in 1992 so you know, oh. I talked to a lot of millennials who think Mark Zuckerberg invented the Since this is being recorded, let's make that a fact. Okay? <laughs> and, and look at the very first sentence there, a network of 3D virtual worlds, not a walled oh. garden of a single right. world and another one over there and another one over right. there. Mm -hmm. So if the 3D world is working in WebGL, mm -hmm. 
and actually is more like you know a a file where that you would upload it to say dropbox and then it worked from there because you sent someone else a dropbox link that doesn't make dropbox a metaverse mm -hmm. but it's hosting your three-dimensional world that is the file that you know epic games created you know there, there could be these things that are very web-based that is goes back to web 1.0 mm -hmm. of i wrote my html site and i posted it mm -hmm. on my page and i put in a, a plugin for it and the plugin is there and it's the flash file that is in the html that's buried right there so you know we used to do these kind of self-hosting of our own little virtual thing and if it was the full-on virtual world but it was actually hosted locally and then linked to each other web 1.0 style then you would have a network of three-dimensional worlds yeah i i i i really think that metaverse probably is more focusing on the social aspects or life aspects it, but it's yeah, interesting yeah. the network of 3d worlds when you're going to end up with these companies that are going to put up the walled garden around Mm. that one world and then try to create an economy within that one world mm. and it's the theme park idea yeah maybe it's of, like a theme park the five dollar you know cokes yeah well, <laughs> well we we survived the platform world wars of you know apple and and uh, windows and the browser wars of of you know uh, again windows and and uh, uh mozilla and things like that you know and, but people vote with their checkbooks and and demand uh, a harmony, you know, harmonization, especially if you're going global. So again, I kind of lean towards the game stuff because they're already in a global uh, community and I'm just trying to add, you know, some, some standards and some regulatory guidelines to make the right. path of least resistance. And, and, you know, I worked for Gorbachev because we couldn't get Visa to give us an account to do transactions in the US. So, you know, he created a bank and did online casinos. And from there, in 1993, we grew all kinds of businesses. You know, I became a Cisco reseller and did turnkey sun systems. And the only thing that that really cranked it down was the bandwidth and the commerce issue. So there's all kinds of commerce in the metaverse. I don't see that's a problem. What I do see is the harmonization and the fact that if you build one restaurant, can you take all of the hard work that maybe Dan and Oscar and Dominique create and build it in another platform reality you know it's like you know transfer those assets or transfer your audience from one one metaverse to another that yeah. hasn't been worked out I have a question so so Dan what I heard you say is we're used to having these uh walled off islands of you know 3d reality immersion whatever and what you were and from this definition being able to network those together and connect those points and so like i could live in my i could play world of warcraft and then like i could make my way over to roblox and i'd have my same gear and like my same medals or whatever some you know some example like that so islands that are like connected um so yeah it to me to me this goes to like assets and 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 like architects making a model of a building the model could be imported into a number of places sure. and it's in a portable format right 
right? But, and right. and to me, I've always been creating in that portable format because I've got to hand it off to God knows who, you right. know. And so and they've got to work in it in their program, whatever that is. So to to me, what happens in the architectural world is exactly what we're talking about in the metaverse world, because my three D building may end up needing to go into that metaverse world. You know, so this comes from my lighting architectural background and thinking, well, I've created it in AutoCAD. Now it's got to go to Revit. Well, now they want to take it and put it in Epic, you know, and that's all fine. But we are already in these formats. And if we end up putting our three-dimensional people and our voices and everything else in this format too, then we can control it as it goes portable between these these locations. Yeah, so like a universal format or, or the, the, the buzz term I've been hearing is this interoperability. So that's, I think that's one version of the metaverse future that people are excited about. And a lot of people are excited about that because that means you can't have a Zuckerberg universe, right? You'd have to have multiple, all the players are there and everybody talks together, you know, happy, happily. Another version is what I saw in Ready Player One because in the book, uh, you know, the mastermind there created this giant universe. And then within the universe to the people, it felt limitless. There were still boundaries in what was created there, but it felt like worlds upon worlds upon worlds. And that there was the ability to make your own space within that, those worlds. And, you know, and it overlapped only- other people's worlds. Um, well, it was what, like what you're describing to me, like, I, I always worry about a little bit in that it makes the Las Vegasization of any of these worlds where it's bigger, it's louder, it's brighter. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like altered states. Remember the, the, that great show on, on Netflix? And it was very much all these metaverses overlapping each other, fighting each other for dominancy, you know, stuff of that nature. So I kind of think that most businesses are going to want something curated. But you may step into an Apple store, but the Apple store will be in the decentralized land. It will be in the Facebook meta. It's going to be the same kind of presence in each one of these places. They're not going to want to design something custom to each one. They're going to want to maintain their corporate brand in each of these places. Uh, can so, I host my, my little shop on um, uh, Dropbox? <laughs> I think you can, because I think once you once you draw up a 3D model of something and you export it to FBX or whatever the format is, and now that you've linked it and you put it in Dropbox and you're saying my three-dimensional person in my house and my thing is linked, it's pointed here, and now Roblox or any of these other worlds, go sample it, pull it in, asset it. You know, but you wouldn't manage it in the game. You would manage it from a single location and feed it to all those games. So can I host, for example, on GoDaddy or, you know, I, I don't know, like, you know, like weeks or Squarespace? Old school FTP. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not developer, but I, I'm just curious. Like, But see, like, you know, old school thing. FTP is not complex. We, we rolled over and started using Dropbox because it was so easy, but you know, if you wanted to host something and actually put it up there, you know, it, it, you know, the, the web Epic is hosting all of this with their cloud services. 
the problem is their app store like 30% cut of them doing it and the rules that they would put into place. Those might be the rules that we all need as Emily has kind of you know stated mm-hmm. that if there is one kind of overweight, you know, how do we how do we stay nice to each other and protect each other Governments. from harassment and stuff of that nature? If there was something that was just a broad clause that, that solved that and then you were hosted, that might be a very good exchange of, you know, technology and rights and everything else in order to protect everybody. That that might be the thing. Yeah. But and, so if you're hosting, if you're hosting in your Wix or your your whatever FTP, then there's the question of authenticity, right? Because like if it's just a file, someone can just even your Revit model, I can just like duplicate the model, and all of a sudden, if they I had have, access to it in the same way that anything else HTML wise would be, so no. And this goes beyond my level of programming, but yeah. You know, and when I worked in banking, we had all kinds of audit trails and encryption VPNs, and now the thing is the NFTs right. and blockchain. Right. So yes. you basically, and I work with the Open Voice Network. We're trying, like, for voice to create like a DNS for uh, anointed voice applications, voice AI, you know, mm-hmm. and some are for healthcare, some are for banking. So those, you know, the, the regulatory, the SEC people, they'll cut you off the knees if you don't have something that 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 meets regulatory guidelines. Okay, if you're a gamer, you're you have more loosey goosey stuff you can play with, you know but you're not taking grandma's pension and flushing it down the toilet, you know? So you have to have these, these uh, audit trails and, and about, you know, vetted uh, uh, links. Are, okay. Are any of you familiar with NVIDIA's Omniverse? I have a coworker. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in their classes. I'm taking them and I know people that work there here in Silicon and, Valley. And this sounds to me, cause I did some research on it for their lighting side for controls and and for gaming um it sounds to me like that's what they're trying to talk about is that you know if if we understand basic 3d symbols and you know squares and blocks and how fast you know gpus draw um but this omniverse looks to me like you know this is where all the technology is shared across a bunch of apps now they may strap you know, a uh, interface over the top of it, but it's still all 3D standards. And something like this may be powering a lot of these metaverses, but they are in fact skins of, of this. Right, and what I like is that they're selling, I actually have my heart set on like an $1,800 NVIDIA uh, laptop that, you know, is more powerful than 10 mainframes that I used to sell in the 80s, okay? Um, the, uh, and, you know, the graphics cards, the chip, the rendering, the off-the-shelf digital asset libraries that I could pull in. Um, and now they're even rolling out. They just bought another company that's doing AI. And, and um, you know, the, the, the healthcare centers that I work for, we don't have a budget to, to, to do AI models till the cows come home, but NVIDIA does. And their big thing is that they want to create a, a digital twin of the, the earth and, and uh, global warming issues, you know, give people a way to do that. And they'll actually fund you. They'll give you grants. Mm-hmm. So it's an exciting thing. And again, this is what I like. I get excited when there's a new platform and it seems to work and it's accessible. It, it lowers the bar on who could do it. If I was trying to do this in the 80s or 90s, I'd have to sell you um, a $10 million network 
a, a, a mainframe, you know, which was the fastest processors I could get and a maintenance contract. So you're in 10, $15 million easy. Here for $1,800, I got more horsepower and I got off the shelf apps. I just have to huddle with guys like you and say, okay, what do we do with it? You know? Well, what's great is that these are actually interpreting that the industries are now banding together to actually describe the same lights the same way and for production lights to be described that way so that all of their like engineering files and everything are active when they bring come into uh, you know these models so it, this is really goes to something that the architects have been doing for a really long time called building information modeling bim bim modeling and it's building 3D buildings, but then embedding the 3D with data so that you have the weight or how much you know uh, uh, heat it'll absorb, or you know the the radius of an uh, HVAC and how much air it could pass through. You put this data into these objects, and then the objects, you know, that's that's how much that lamp the lamp was five watts, so it's always going to be five watts, and now everything else can calculate on you know electrical line loss based on these lights in these distances being lit for you know x amount of hours a day so all these software starts building on everything that's in there with the information that's actually embedded in the objects and, and i think some of the platform and these other issues are actually going to be software you know in in medical devices we used to just focus on uh, hardware and software, say for a glucose monitor for diabetes. Now you get one glucose monitor, but it the only thing you update is the software. When you buy a Tesla, you're not buying a Tesla because it's got cushy seats and and you know the style of it. It's for all of the software updates that you're going to get with it for for you know that could you know be for the next ten years to make that car smarter and uh, more autonomous and 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 safe. So I think the same thing is happening with these tools is that the AI layer, you know, is adding uh, more value and then people can adapt to that. So I think there's another version of the metaverse that, um, that what you just said, Dan, reminded me of. And so what you described, so I'm, I'm in the engineering world and we build 3D models and we embed, we make those models smart with what we call metadata and so some of those properties that you're describing, they're embedded in, into those files. And so uh, the, the 3D models we create, they represent real world products. They haven't been built yet, perhaps, but they will be built and they represent real world products or even the medical devices that you were just talking about, Emily. Um, so in the, in the real world, uh, normally we break that connection between the metadata that we might have used in engineering and production uh, we, we lose that sometimes when we go into the physical world, but in the future, uh, there's nothing to stop us from having that connection. So all of the relevant metadata that, that we embed early on, it still can exist. Um, but then how do you see that? How do you interact with that? And so that's, to me, that's another interesting way of the metaverse is looking at it through augmented reality. So like every single thing in my room, you know, in my apartment and my whatever at work, it, it, it could have metadata associated with it. So when I go look at a painting, I can see what is it currently, it's like it projected to, you know, maybe it's gonna go for auction for sale or something, or I can buy this on eBay or, or whatever. Like there's, 
uh, a connection to that to that digital world. Um, so I, I dig the idea of a metaverse where it's totally virtual and it's totally the 1960s you know concert. But then there's also this like digital fabric that's in front of us that we don't see with our eyes. Um, and that would be and another. You just awesome. mentioned something fascinating that I read the other day about Dune, the movie Dune, that they had shot all of this three dimensional stuff. And what they actually decided to do, which was very different than a lot of green screens and a lot of the other you know, uh, stuff, they put up fabric and they actually made stretched fabric walls and, and things that were virtual, but they went ahead and put up something there. Why? So that the light would bounce off of it. So they had a fake surface to bounce the light off, but then that actually went in and became the virtual surface later. But the idea of actually having a fabric kind of layer, which is very much like that matrix layer, to catch what you're going to put onto it for your metaverse. Yeah, I saw an amazing, interesting idea. I saw an amazing look at what at the filming of the second Mandalorian uh, season, and they they basically had like a really high end version of of your uh of your um sorry your restaurant room and so you had three walls uh that were that you could totally project or i don't even i don't know if they were projecting or what they were doing but it's a it's a a, a, a led wall i was actually the product manager for the company that you're talking about (laughs) for the lighting and the and camera company for ari absolutely Uh, i'm trying to find the youtube clip i was blown away no, it's a ceiling of lights and video projection, and it's sampling Unreal Engine. Yep. But the lighting is is accurate, so that the 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 reflection of the sky is being turned into a lighting signal and sent through sky panels made by Ari, and that was the product that I was product manager for uh, until a few months ago. Um, but the, the 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 concept is that if you have a video game, you've got that dome of the sky, you could sample sections of that sky and then have the light basically say, okay, you're you're the sky now and project the reflection of what would have been clouds down to the ground. So like, you know, when you're watching the Boba Fett scene, which I wasn't too happy with, but the, um, the Tusken Raiders scene, they're out there like in a moonless uh, 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 desert scene and there's no real kind of source, but you've just got the bounce of this very kind of purplish sky all over the desert that's, that's there. All of that is being generated out of the Unreal Engine backgrounds. And then the lights are sampling that and actually using that real-time data to put that back down onto the ground. So then the lights themselves do have metadata that we could start to use in yeah. post-production and VFX afterwards. That's another story. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, this is something that I just read. I think I read, like, Navidia, um, this company, and it's like uh, someone do some, you know, some um, kind of, like, interview with the CEO um, of it and talking about metaverse 
And then, yeah, of course, metaverse, it seems like metaverse, you know, the, the cap of the, I don't know, the worth of, of money is almost reached to $1 trillion, like by, I don't know, like 2025 or 2023. I mean, I, I don't know how they measure the number, but it seems very interesting that people kind of project that metaverse is probably much bigger than the website that current web web 2.0 i don't even know like what web generation i mean probably web 2 right because it's web 3 we web 3 is the future probably web 2 right? yeah i i i don't <laughs> focus on the dollars again you know I, i'm too old and i've been through too many ups and downs with with the recessions and all of this you know even intel we almost got put out of business by ibm with a hostile takeover so you know it, it's crazy what i focus on is the sustainability you know, so we have to solve the issues of getting enough electrical and throughput and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, uh, tackle things like ransomware and, and breaches, you know, like the Russians are creating. Oh, yeah, right. Today so if this all sounds was... really peachy, but, you know, I, I, I look at the ugly side, too, yeah. and I'm hoping that we can use these tools to solve those problems, too, so that yeah. we can have a nice, safe playground and do banking and create, you know, uh, when I'm old and gray, I want to be, you know, hiking down the Grand Canyon, even though I'm in a wheelchair, you know, virtually. So, mm. you know, there's all kinds of cool stuff we can talk about, but yeah. I still want to bring a reality check that we have to have some real mm. stable foundations some building blocks and some regulatory, uh, uh, global regulatory uh, signups, you know, to, to make this happen. And NVIDIA is a global company. So, you know, they're kind of doing that. Microsoft has to take a global, you know, Europe hates Microsoft in many ways. So they're at the table, you know, talking and the same with Facebook and all that. They're being held to task. So it's, it's, a, it's a whole crazy business. But when you start throwing dollars, don't mm -hmm. even go there because a lot of these companies will die, you know. Um, yeah, right. Or, or, or get bought up and merge into something else. Just look at the at the usability, the sustainability, and the regulatory so that it can it can go on. Yeah, and I'm also wondering who will collect all the data. Like yeah, it's like because it requires a lot of tracking stuff, right? Even though you yeah, are- Yeah, we couldn't do websites yeah. until we had DNS, until we had, you know, mm. uh, standards for domain names, okay? How long did it take to get to those standards? And do you think we'll move faster this time around? I, I think we will because enterprise is already in there. When I was trying to sell, uh, I got laid off by my company who sold mainframes and networks banking because I was doing DARPAnet, okay? They said, we sell proprietary networks. So they, they laid me off, okay? <laughs> so what is, what is Emily gonna do? I'll go find some hackers who are working for DARPAnet and said, let's get together. And they said, Gorbachev and this, San Francisco will give you grants to experiment. So we started experimenting and uh, we learned from casinos and porn sites, the technology. And, but it took me three years to get, it wasn't until Mark Andreessen and some of these other big uh, Bezos and all that came in that the banks finally bought in and said, okay, we'll give you transaction accounts. Even mm -hmm. though I dealt with those people personally for 12 years prior, you know, with the banks. So I don't think it's going to take that long. If anything, everyone's creating their own Bitcoin or their own NFTs. There's right. too much transaction, not enough 
real usable sustainable apps do you, you know? think that we really need government so you know this morning i listened to um, wsj it's a, like my daily routine and i knew that russia is probably about to invade i don't know uh, ukraine is like suspicious and i was wondering you know should we because i read all the this you know like decentralized stuff if we don't have you know those leaders right because power corrupt people's mind right right that's so. that's my old star trek and star wars mantra mm -hmm. the, the kid in me says we can do away with them but in reality we're not there yet it's not going to happen in our lifetime but the millennials and the millennials kids may choose hey you know i ain't paying taxes i'm just going to create my own bitcoin and do my own thing and start my nah, own let's create starfleet Right, Starfleet, or take <laughs> off to space and go to some planet and live virtually there. Yeah. So, you know, in, in a true world, like I said, we would all be singing Kumbaya and everybody would be happy and we wouldn't have, you know, everyone would get standard food, clothing and education. And you could Unitards? No. But it's not happening in our <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. Not wearing I, I those mean, space outfits, the single color, no, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm wondering, like, you see, like, um, if we don't have government, like, yeah, and Russian probably, you know, Russian people, I don't believe without their leader, they would like to invade. Like, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, because the young war. people understand that it's a global thing, you know, Putin is a dictator, the Chinese guy, you know, uh, 2 billion people, he's a dictator. And, and those are the, you have to live with that, you know, if you don't, you're doomed. But things I think will change, and you also have to have a sense of unity, you know, hmm. and 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 economics. You know, the Russians haven't pulled the trigger yet because Wall Street and all that said, "Hey, you got all these Russian assets in our country and other countries. We're going to pull the plug on it. We're going to freeze your bank accounts." When I worked for Gorbachev, he tried to pay me in rubles. I said, "No, it's going to go to Bank of the West, and we'll have an escrow account with U.S. dollars." Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just think that, um, yeah. Do we really need to need a government? If we don't need, then we don't need to pay tax, right? <laughs> every time, like tax season, it's just ah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, well, it's every, just everybody hates taxes, but I feel if if it was a flat tax, you know, if I knew that for the rest of my life I would just pay ten percent. Everybody, even Bezos, would pay ten percent. Okay, he yeah, because right now, you know, yeah, there's can no unbalance. And then, and then the the trick is to hide your money in Bitcoin so you, you don't get taxed. So this is mm. the crazy world we're in. But and, in the and universe, I've worked in other countries where they don't have any taxes, and all you have is the VAT tax for you know eight percent sales or something of that nature. And right. you start to realize that oh, we have a state government and a county yeah. government and a city government federal government and instead of having all of these four different tax groups getting their own tax thing overseas they're just one number and it's just mm. the tax and it gets collected and it gets distributed and it's not pulled out of our income it's after that it's what we spend it's the basically the sales tax of california alone that's it yeah so then that's what I'm saying is if you want to have infrastructure, like we need better internet connection and, and disparity in the US, just like we had a, a roads and bridges highway system, okay? 
somebody's got to pay for that. It's our tax dollars. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so the same thing with the metaverse is that you build pipes, you build VPNs, you build foundations like registries, uh, audit, um, blockchain or nfts so that if dominic wants to open her school in the metaverse people can sign up virtually in 10 different languages you know and do her thing but she needs to be protected that people aren't going to pirate or ransomware her school you know yeah so we probably still need something that is above everybody and we have to follow certain rules. Well, it sounds like it goes back to our conversation we had last week about NFT. It could either point to the correct thing or it can point to something incorrect. And until they yeah. actually fix that, you're not really gonna have your school protected. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it goes back to, you know, like the another news, like really fast, because we are going to jump to another meeting. Yeah, so it's on uh, fortune.com. JP Morgan actually, uh, you know, spend like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so they, they, they opened the first bank in Decentraland and it's, yeah, it's called, yeah. it's in the launch in Meta Junku. Yeah, it's like they, they, they bought a place like a real estate and they build a bank on top of it. So pretty much you can do the real world stuff such as mortgage, such as, you know, like all, all, all those stuff that you can do is just in, in, in a virtual space, right? And uh, it's very interesting that <clears throat> uh, there will be a, a person and a tiger greeting you. Yeah, so I personally think that, um, yeah, it's very interesting that, uh, you know, bring the entire, I don't know, office uh, to, to the virtual world and they can do a lot of stuff and still provide the service seems like but uh you know like i was thinking about like the mortgage maybe is the real world mortgage or banking is for real world and yeah this will be yeah. an interesting test and i'm sure the the banking regulators are looking at it with a fine-tooth comb but dominique you've got your 10 o'clock show i don't want oh, to be yeah. late for that i'm yeah, sure yeah. people will be knocking on your door maybe we, <laughs> we can carry this conversation on in that in that yeah. next Hour, yeah, next, or next bring hour. this back, bring this back to one of your other sessions so we can continue the conversation. Oh, cool. Thank you so and, much for, for, and for Oscar. Thank you for, for uh, joining us today. Uh, we really enjoyed your insights and I'll try and connect with you on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'll put my uh, email address in the chat. Mm, I'd love cool, to cool. connect with everybody. Yeah. If you can share your LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is kind of like my um, contact book <laughs> we'll do have a good one everyone yeah cool thank you so much and uh, you see you next week bye 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 bye